talking about AI, okay? And I, I think I have this conversation and conversations about AI with a little bit of, of fear, because I think it's really exciting where we're going with it. And I think that we know that AI is developing really, really rapidly. And now it's really just a part of everyday conversation and everyday life in some situations. But the idea of what it's going to do and where it's going to go, I think, is still surrounded with a lot of uncertainty. You know, it's sort of like the dawn of the Internet. Could we really have clearly predicted exactly what it was going to look like 20, 30 years after its inception? And that's sort of the same position I think that we're in when it comes to AI. And so there's a lot of curiosity about it. And I think a lot of trepidation and this this idea that maybe it's going to take over our jobs or take over our world and become this big threat to humankind. So can we ease some of those fears a little bit and just talk realistically about maybe the good side of what this could mean for us? We're going to get into it right now with our guest, who is a fellow at the Center for International Governance, research manager at the Institute for Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence at Stanford University. Nestor Maslej is joining the show. Nestor, thanks so much for making the time. Really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, very excited to be here today. What are some some common misconceptions or or understandings or ideas about AI that you hear because you're working in a very unique situation, really working with it? So what are some things that you're hearing that people are really worried about? I mean, I think it really depends who you speak to. I think there's a lot of people that have been following this technology for years and some of the developments they've seen, while certainly impressive, aren't necessarily completely surprising and I think there's like the average person who kind of knew what AI was, but then saw Chad GPT in November and was like, oh, my God, this thing mm. could potentially do my job for me. Now, I think one common misconception that I kind of see floated around a lot is just this kind of fear and belief that automation is going to is going to happen. And I think certainly these kind of AI tools and AI AI models they can definitely automate a lot of jobs, but they also have the potential to augment a lot of jobs. And I think the way in which they're going to be used socially is going to depend a lot on incentives that governments create and basically environments that business have to kind of use these tools in particular ways. I think it's an interesting time to even be talking about this because there is so much and arguably more skepticism when it comes to governments and the way that they're able to make reasonable decisions about things yeah. like this that impact our daily lives. So is a little bit of fear and uncertainty warranted? I mean, I think certainly. I mean, it's um, it's a new technology. It's a technology that's developing very rapidly. And if you also look at the technology itself, a lot of the researchers that are working on these tools, they don't always very clearly understand how you kind of get from the things that you input into these models to the things that they're outputting. So the things that we're getting output-wise are very, very exciting, but at the same time, it's not always clear to us how these systems work and how they think. And while it's incredible that they're really able to produce a lot of this content. It is a bit frightening to a degree to sometimes think that there is a bit of a disconnect between, again, what we're putting in and what we're seeing out there. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think that if I look at my own day job, my, my day job is to basically track trends in artificial intelligence. I'm the editor-in-chief of the AI Index, which is one of the most reputable sources on trends in AI. And I think Zooming out on a broad level, and this is really a message that I would bang home to your listeners, 
it's really the case that AI is here. You know, this isn't a tool that is no longer in the lab that has all this kind of undefined potential. This is a tool that is really making itself felt in our world. And as a result, we all have to start thinking very critically about how we interact with this tool and what kind of things we're comfortable with. Because if you look at something like privacy, maybe there is a world in which Canadians are completely fine with giving data away to some of these companies if it means that Netflix can recommend a great film for us or Amazon can just give us the best products, you know, in their recommendation system. But for other Canadians, that might not necessarily be acceptable. And the point is that we need to put these issues on the radar for us so that we're thinking critically about them and that we're making decisions that can maximize the way in which these tools impact our lives. I think we're at a a point now where being being a late adopter is not really an option here. I mean, this is going to be the way of the future. So would you recommend or how would you recommend someone start utilizing some of the tools that are available and familiarizing themselves with some systems, even if it's something like chat GPT or or something else? How would you recommend people start sort of dipping their toe in to kind of get an understanding of how to how to best have what will develop serve them in their daily lives? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I think I would kind of before offering any tangible suggestions, say that it is really valuable that businesses especially think critically about embracing some of these tools. We had some really good data in the AI index this year that came to us from McKinsey, a McKinsey survey that basically looked at companies that embraced AI as part of their business processes. And these companies were able to achieve cost decreases and revenue increases, which basically means that if you're using AI in your business, your bottom line is going to be affected in a positive way. So it makes a lot of sense to kind of figure out how you might want to be using these tools. And I would say generally, I think trying to keep up with developments that occur in the world of AI, keeping up with some of these new tools that are being released. But I do imagine that we're going to be heading towards a future in which some of these tools are going to be integrated in some of the existing tools that we use. So I think a lot of people, for example, are familiar with ChatGPT, it wouldn't surprise me if perhaps in five years you might have a similar language model or a similar chatbot that is built into Microsoft Word where you can just say, hey, I'm a marketing manager at X company. I need to write five different marketing pitches for this product. Give me five different ones to target five different audiences. Mm-hmm. And maybe in that world, your job is no longer to be to actually do some of the, the dirty work writing out these pitches. It might be then more so figuring out which one is for you. So I think in the short run, trying to keep up with these developments, but I do think that a lot of these tools are going to be integrated into some of the tools that we're already using, things like Microsoft Office, things like Google. Uh, Yeah, and I mean, I think creating a a more efficient workplace and a more efficient work environment could be seen as something that's really positive. Look, we're going to be having a conversation a little bit later on in the show talking about burnout. Maybe this is one way to sort of offload some of your tasks to to a different system that can take some of that responsibility for you. And if that doesn't mean you lose your job, is that necessarily a bad thing? Nestor, you mentioned that part of what you do is to study trends in AI. And I want to dive into that just a little bit deeper, but we do have to take a very short break. So we'll be very fast, but I want to get back into the 
this conversation while we have you and we've got your great perspective. Uh, talking about trends in AI, maybe we shouldn't be worrying about its threat to humankind. We'll be right back in three minutes. As we're talking about AI, should we, we should we be worried that it is a giant threat to humankind or should we just get on board with it? Our guest is a fellow at the Center for International Governance and research manager at the Institute for Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence at Stanford University, Nestor Maslay. Nestor, thank you so much for sticking around on hold. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. Yeah, happy to be chatting about this very timely topic. I'm so happy to get your perspective on it because I think it's just fascinating and it's so interesting to think and imagine where AI is going to go and where it's going to lead us. And you mentioned the fact that what you do as part of your work is to study trends. So what are some of those trends? If you can sort of shed some insight into what it is that you're seeing and predict where it might take us. Well, I mean, I kind of touched on the first trend already, but I think that the big thing that we're seeing is that AI is really here. It's put itself on the map and it's put itself on the map in a way that has brought a lot of benefits, but also brought a lot of problems. So in the last year, we saw the release of these generative AI systems like ChatGPT, Dolly and Make a Video, super impressive in terms of the content they were able to create. Also, AI has recently been been used to further science. It's been used to control nuclear fusion, improve matrix manipulation, generate new antibodies, and even kind of save energy in terms of cooling buildings. These are all examples of very positive ways in which this technology has been able to impact humanity. However, the problems are also there. In 2022, for example, there was a deep fake video of the Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky surrendering to Russia. Some of these text-to-image systems that create amazing images are being trained on human-generated images without crediting the artist that actually generated these images. Some of these systems are also quite biased. For example, if you were to ask Dolly for an image of a CEO, it would probably give you mostly white-looking men. Mm. And ChatGPT, <clears throat> you know, also very amazing, is sometimes prone to things like hallucination where it's just going to flat out fabricate a response that sounds very plausible. And it could also be tricked into serving nefarious purposes like building bonds. And I think all of this, again, as I said, reflects kind of where we are with this tool. It's here. We need to be thinking about how we want to interact with it to ensure that the positives can be maximized and the negatives minimized. I think to maximize the positive, we have to put a lot of trust into the human beings that are that are helping to develop it. Do you do you feel mostly optimistic about the future with AI? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say in that I think that there is a lot of potential with this technology and there is really a lot of amazing things that this technology can do. But I think we need to think critically about how we're using it, some of the problems that exist already with the ways in which it is being used, whether it's kind of bias or the threat of automation, and just be proactive about some of these problems and some of these challenges. I think kind of a worst case scenario is when we just kind of let this technology develop without any kind of guardrails and without really kind of any critical dialogues about things we could do to ensure that its benefit benefits us all. I mean, another thing that we talk about in the AI index is that industry actors are really starting to increasingly dominate the release of AI systems. And this carries with it a lot of important implications because industry players like the Amazons, the Metas, the open AIs of the world 
they have different set of incentives than, say, universities. And, like, it's tough now for a university to produce a chat GPT because you need so much money, data, and computational infrastructure. So maybe there's opportunities for things like governments to step in to give these resources to universities to ensure that they could keep up and perhaps keep pushing the frontier in terms of the development that it occurs. So I think there's a lot of positive to be had with this technology, but we need to think critically about how we want to develop and we can't just kind of let it continue without any kinds of guardrails and and kind of more critical thoughts surrounding its its use. Yeah. Nestor, well said. Thank you so much for your great perspective and your insight this afternoon. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. And again, for all the listeners that are interested, I would encourage them to to stop by the AI Index. It's a great report, and there's a ton of content on AI and trends with this technology. Thank you for having me today. Of course. Yeah, take care. That's Nestor Maslay, fellow at the Center for International Governance and research manager at the Institute for Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence at Stanford University. It is here. I'm curious if you've maybe dipped your toe into using something like ChatGPT and maybe played around with it a little bit. Or are you still thinking maybe uh, not quite yet?